batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move off. Always thought I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 70s and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! And now your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, episode 13 this week. I'm Jeremy, and I'm here with Jeff. Jeff, how's it going this week? It's moving along. Thank you very much. Good, good. Uh, Jeff holds down our Rocky Mountain base, and he does a great job. We both got snow last night. Here it is almost the end of February, and we're finally starting to get snow where I live. We've had kind of a bummer year in terms of snow. It happens. It happens a lot the last 10 or 20 years feel like yeah it'll be a really kind of a just a crap shoot uh, yeah. december january february and then boom spring skiing comes and then next year you know by thanksgiving we could have two feet of snow so we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it goes so i'm i'm really looking forward to today's album uh, this is an album that uh, neither jeff or i were super familiar with and I'll be interested to hear what you thought about it, Jeff. And and I learned a lot this week as I kind of delved into this album. Our album today, by the way, is Smokin' by Humble Pie from 1972. And we'll, we'll get to that in here in just a sec. I did want to share one thing with you, Jeff, and with everyone else. I subscribed to this YouTube channel, gosh, probably a year ago. It's a, a young lady... Uh, in the UK named Chez Kane. I saw her singing, I think it was a Pat Benatar song. And I remember just seeing this and it was just, you know, it's just her, I think it was even black and white. She's just in, in a little recording booth with the mic and she was singing a Pat Benatar song and she was really good. And so I just subscribed. And so every, you know, every few weeks when the new video came up, I'd, I'd watch her and she's singing like Pat Benatar and, vixen and all this <laughs> 80s 80s hair metal stuff and lita ford lita maybe. ford yeah that's totally what she what she does but it's really good and i like it and it's not just her vocals her vocals are great but the whole point i'm getting to is she has a new album out it's coming out in in march and it's on uh frontier records we've talked about frontier in the past frontier is kind of promoting this whole melodic rock 80s style rock and I've heard a couple songs from her album and they're good. I mean, they sound like 1986, right? They sound like her, but her vocals are really good. And the guitar is, is that really, uh, if you're into that eighties guitar sound, I mean, it, they nail it. Uh, it, it sounds really good. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. We'll have more, uh, more news on that. I actually uh, kind of reached out and sent a, and I am to see if we could interview her at some point. So we'll see how that goes. I'm sure lots of people are reaching out wanting to, to interview her, but it's kind of cool. I like that 80s stuff. And and it's kind of almost a, a, a nostalgia thing for me, but but I like mm-hmm. I like those old 80s tunes. So we'll see how that plays out. Let me ask you, did uh, in the mix was the snare drum just massive reverb on the snares? I, you know, I didn't notice you, you notice those things better than I do. Uh, I love it. It's like, you could, if you, if you would have liked to isolate it, it'd probably like fill the room. Oh, exactly. Just this <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the guitars were legit. I mean, they were the legit eighties sound and the vocals are, it sounded, it sounded like a Vixen album from 1985 or 86 or something, but it was kind of fun. So when we come back, Jeff, Let's jump in to this uh, album from Humble Pie, 1972, Smokin'. Yes, indeed.
Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, episode 13. And today we are unpacking the classic Humble Pie album from 1972. It's called Smokin'. And, you know, anyone that listens to classic rock radio is familiar with 30 Days in the Hole, I think. You know, if you were to ask typically anyone, hey, have you ever heard this song? And they might not be able to tell you who did it. But I think probably anyone that listens to your local classic rock radio station would at least be familiar with that song. And to be honest, that's about all I knew about Humble Pie. I knew that Peter Frampton had been a member of Humble Pie. Yeah. That's about all I knew. I Did mean, you I know uh, Black Coffee, that song. You know, that's it. That's a song that I see brought up all the time, but I can't tell you I'm familiar with the song. I'll have to go listen to it. It's not on this album. Was that on their very first album? 1973, Eat It. The Eat It album. Okay. Well, see, Eat I'm, I'm going to have to you know, he, w- way ahead of uh, Weird Al, right? Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> Weird Al. I knew they were influential. I didn't think of the <laughs> Weird Al, but you know, uh, we can't really talk about Humble Pie without really talking about Steve Marriott. Steve Marriott's one of these names when you were a kid reading the classic rock magazines or the guitar magazines, they, they'd talk about singers and, and all of this. And Steve Marriott's a name that I've always heard of and never really dug into. And this is kind of funny when I say this, but I'll admit it. When I was listening to this album, the first time I, I popped it in here a couple of weeks ago, and this was Jeff's idea. He said, let's do this album, which is great. I'm glad you recommended this. One of the first thoughts I had was I'm like, wow, he, he sings a lot like Robert Plant. And I, I didn't mean the voice sounded like Robert Plant, but the way he phrased, the way he did everything. And I thought, yeah, he kind of sounds like Robert Plant. And then as I've done my homework, I realized that's not the case. Robert Plant sounds like Steve Marriott. He was really influential to Robert Plant. Robert Plant and Jimmy Page were were big fans of a band called The Small Faces, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably a band that some of us are familiar with. Steve Marriott was in Small Faces. And I didn't realize this until doing my homework here. I always thought that was a weird name, The Small Faces. Well, in, in the mod culture of the 60s, you know, the mods, I, when, when I say mod, I think of Austin Powers, right? <laughs> but, that, but that was the culture, right? In, this, in the 60s. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, um, in the mod culture of the day, a face was someone that was cool. You know, that was someone that, w- that was a mod, that was an Austin Powers, right? Yeah, baby. Yeah, same, you know, it was a girlfriend of Steve Marriott's who came up with the idea of calling them the small faces. Because at the time, everyone in the band was like five foot five. Okay, so here's all these, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Vertically challenged. Yeah, vertically challenged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, diminutive yes all these diminutive <laughs> band members are all short and so she came up with the idea of the small faces meaning these are all hipsters but they're all short they're the small faces and Love that and and this and the small faces were pretty influential i was reading one article where at one point robert plant was a big fan and he'd come and see them play all the time and he'd even like run errands for them to pick up, you know, lunch or whatever they needed. So he was almost like this little fanboy of the small faces. And you hear the, the, the similarities between Steve Marriott and Robert Plant in this album, in a few places, just, just the phrasing, their voices are different, but the way that Marriott sings, you go, okay, so that's where Robert Plant got that from. I got to say, I, it, the whole thing threw me for a loop uh, listening to the vocals mm. because at some point I read that Steve Marriott wanted to have more of an R&B kind of bluesy gospel thing. And he hired the the trio called the Blackberries, right? Mm-hmm. These three women that we'll probably get into a little bit. And so when I was listening to uh, Smokin' and I, and I heard the vocals, even some of the giggles and the laughs I'm like, oh, that's that's one of the three. That sounds like a woman. 
Mm-hmm. And then I saw this live video of Steve Marriott singing. And it, the voice was what I thought was a woman's voice. So now I'm all confused. Yeah. I don't know if there are, they're not, they're not credited with singing lead. Mm-hmm. Any of these ladies on this album. So, I mean, to, to think he can sing that high. Yeah. I'm just, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and, and high, high with dynamics. It's one thing to just hit a single high note. You know, lots of guys can do that, but he's way up there and doing crazy inflections and, and things. Now he's, He's really good. I mean, even 30 days in the hole, it's way up there. And you're like, wow. And this is after Frampton's gone, by the way. By the yeah. time this album came out, Frampton was already gone. But one of the things that that I was reading about was Frampton and Steve Marriott had become pretty good friends and, and were working on things together. Marriott was trying to get the small faces to bring Frampton in and they just weren't that keen on it. And at some point they, uh, Steve left the band was frustrated uh, and apparently like in the middle or right after a show said, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving. And then that's when he and Frampton hooked up and started humble pie. The small faces became the faces and Marriott was replaced by a guy we've all heard of named Rod Stewart. And it's funny. <laughs> I'm list- this, I-, I listened to the album before I started doing my research. And it was one of these songs on this album. I think it was Come On Everybody was the one I heard that. And I said, man, that sounds like a Faces song. And then I go back and, and do all my homework and realize, well, kind of makes sense. He was in the small faces and then they just kind of replaced him with rod stewart when he left but much of that musical core is still there when we did our our rock and roll family tree episode steve marriott and the small faces play heavily into this whole family tree because there are so many tendrils that come out of the small faces one one of the interesting ones is greg ridley who was the bass player he came out of a group called spooky tooth and Spooky Tooth, if you look at Spooky Tooth's personnel, there's like 50 guys have been in that group. You got Mick Jones, who was in Foreigner. You got Gary Wright of Dreamweaver fame. I don't know who else. I mean, there's a jillion people in there. And, and this ties you into other people. Frampton was replaced in Humble Pie by a guy named, what was his name? Clem. Clem, Clem Clemson. Clem Clemson, I think Clem was a nickname, John Clemson, but Clem Clemson replaces Frampton. Well, he later played with Cozy Powell in a band. And once you're tied into Cozy Powell, you're you're tied into every single band that's ever played pretty much. But again, this is one of those UK bands that are tied to almost everyone through that rock and roll family tree. I tell you, I would love to have been 16 years old. Oh. In 1968, 69, in England, wherever. <laughs> it's, it was I mean, it, something was in the water, right? How many bands? And it seems like it was so small. You know, London's obviously a big city, but all of these people knew each other. And they mm-hmm. all played with each other in various permutations, you know. And that's why everyone's tied together like that. And Steve Marriott, he was a mover and shaker. I mean, when he was 18 years old, people like Pete Townsend and the Rolling Stones, they were coming to his house. You know, they were hanging out with him in his apartment. He was a mod. I mean, he was he was Austin Powers before Austin Powers was. And it goes back even further. He was a child actor. So he started in like 1960 or 61 as a child actor and he was on TV shows and in commercials, he played the artful Dodger in uh, Oliver twist. And in fact, he appears on the uh, Oliver, the recording of the stage show of Oliver twist. This is before the movie Oliver came out in like the early seventies, but he was on some of the early, uh, you know, records of Oliver twist. So kind of was in the spotlight from an early age and not just a great singer, great guitar player singing while playing the guitar oh yeah like and that. not 
playing simple stuff. I mean, he was, he was good. And sadly, like many artists of the day, he was ripped off by record companies, you know, and there were, there were situations where it, it looked like they got ripped off when they were in the small faces. It looks like even in humble pie, they were ripped off and weren't paid what was owed to them. And he, after humble pie, he kind of tried to do his own thing in the seventies. And and there's several albums that you can find live albums of Steve Marriott or short reunions of humble pie, where they do one, a one-off tour or a live album, but he never really regained, you know, the position he had. And it looks like he, in fact, I've read articles about he, how he, he didn't have any money. And sadly, he died in a house fire in 1991, I think, April yeah. 1991. So he's kind of a sad figure because he was, he's still viewed as one of the great vocalists of that era. And he just did not have the same level of success that many of his compatriots had at that time. Clearly, I mean, look at Frampton. I mean, Frampton had one of the biggest albums ever, you know, biggest live albums ever. But yeah, Steve Marriott didn't have that same fate. So I read, um, you know, the uh, the infamous Grand Funk Railroad mm-hmm. uh, opening and uh, sorry, playing Shea Stadium. Yes. At that time, they actually broke the record that the Beatles held for the fastest selling out. And the Humble Pie opened for wow. Grand Funk at that show. That whole, well, I'll save this for once we start going track by track. But it's funny you mentioned Grand Funk because, uh, you know, albums are a snapshot of a time, right? So this is 1972. Think about the bands that were big in 1972. Grand Funk was one of them. Rare Earth. Okay. And I, and I think of Rare Earth when I hear this because it's very, there's a lot of soul and R&B in this album. You know, you hear... To me, I kind of hear some bad company, but it's like bad company with a lot more soul. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You know, um, I'm not I, a gospel I, expert or anything, but it certainly has this gospel mix with rock and roll. Big time, especially bluesy thing. Yeah. You're so good for me. I mean, that's a total gospel song. And you mentioned it earlier. I would say probably at least half the songs I, I didn't count, but. So many of these songs start out, you just hear the, the people talking in the studio. There's laughing, and it's, it's a very loose-type vibe, a very jam-type vibe, if that makes sense. You know, you hear a lot of laughing at the beginning. It's not real tight. You know, you hear people talking, okay, they're counting it down. All of that banter's going on before the song starts, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, it's yeah. just, you, didn't, you don't hear that a lot on records. All right, so let's jump in, and and just for fun, we're gonna rate each song. So we'll we'll give it one through five. What do we give it? One through five guitars, guitar picks. Uh, I rate this five guitar picks. I rate. I don't know. I don't know what we call it. Okay, we'll go with we'll go with guitar picks. Okay, so instead of stars, this we'll go with guitar picks. So. The song start or the album starts with a tune called Hot and Nasty. Great. Great song. Now, are there ladies singing on this? I, I couldn't I, find I, any like conf- I confirmation. Confirmation, but but like you said, were they called the blueberries or blackberries? Blackberries. Blackberries. I, I've seen mention of the blackberries. You obviously hear them on You're So Good for Me, but that's the only song I can tell for sure that there's ladies on so i don't know i think there was some credit of backing vocals but it wasn't from either of the three blackberries ladies doris troy and madeline bell but you know i don't know maybe back then they're like ah we're just not going to credit these ladies which is very (laughs) common oh that's totally very common back then yeah totally and that could be but this song is a good very soulful you know it's and that's why that's why it kind of reminds me of rare earth rare earth people don't realize rare earth was signed to motown and they were a white rock band you know but they were signed to motown and they were very funky very r&b 
And I hear that on this album as well. There's just a lot of uh, R&B influences. And Steve Marriott was very much influenced by, by Ray Charles, by uh, Bobby Blue Bland, by a lot of these R&B and blues singers. So that, that kind of makes sense. Definitely. But the, the opening song, Hot and Nasty, is a, is a great opening song. I mean, it, it just, when I first heard that, I got, I'm going to like this album. Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, I love the Hammond. I love yes. the, the organ. The Hammond throughout is good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they're tight. The, the drums are great. This Clem, Clemens, Clement, what's his last name? Clemson? Uh, Clemson. Clem Clemson. He's really good. I never even heard the guy, but looking at his history, He's good. And he's been associated with some pretty big groups. Coliseum. Coliseum was a, an early kind of jazz rock fusion band. Later became Coliseum 2 with Gary Moore. Well, before it became Coliseum 2, it was Coliseum. And and Clem was the guy in there, you know. So, uh, yeah, pretty impressive. And, again, he played in that group Strange Brew with uh, Cozy Powell, too. So the guy's good. The second song, The Fixer. Wait, were you going to give it some picks? Oh, yeah. I got to give it some picks. I'm going to say. Obviously related to the to the album, right? In it, context. Exactly. So song one, Hot and Nasty. Man, I'm going to give it four guitar picks. I think that's where I'd be, too. Four guitar picks. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so number two, The Fixer. I think one of my favorites. It's it's up there too. Yeah. I I think do you like it better than Hot and Nasty? It, you know, it's just it's just different because it's got such a great riff. Yep. Um it's it, you know, it also starts off I think a little like Manic Depression by Jimmy. I'm trying to think. And then it goes into the riff which reminds me of Leslie West and Mountain. Yeah. A yeah. Bit. A cool single note and there's a couple of those on here. I mean, I want to play it in the band for it's sure. It's a great one. It's a great <laughs> one. And and it's, uh, again, throughout, it's still that funky R&B vibe, which, you know, there, there's always, if if you got your foot in the blues, right, there's always an element of that. But but this is this is funkier than anything the Rolling Stones ever play. It's oh, yeah. funkier than anything Bad Company or Free did. But it's still got the crunchy guitar, the cool riffs, so it's this fusion of better riffs than a rare earth, right? Or a, even a grand funk. But it still has that that R&B influence. I really like it. So the Give fix, it a five. You give that a five. I was going to give this one a four also. So I have it tied with Hot and Nasty. So you've given Hot and Nasty a four, The Fixer a five. I've given Hot and Nasty and The Fixer a four. You mentioned Gospel. So song number three, You're So Good For Me. I love the acoustic guitar. Yeah. The harmonics at the beginning, it's cool. Now, is Steve Marriott singing on this, or is this someone else singing? Is this Greg Ridley singing? I think it might be someone different singing. I don't have it in my notes. On this Old one. Time Feeling uh, was sung by Greg Ridley. Okay, all right. So this, this is still Marriott, but he's in a lower register probably he's just he sounds different because he's not way up in the stratosphere like we're used to hearing him it's a good song it's a go it's a gospel song this to me sounds like a gospel song it's a different different pace and different energy than hot and nasty and the fixer a good song i don't like it as much as the first two songs but it's a good song i would give it three picks three guitar picks yeah it's it's different it's different. It's nice to have a balance. We, yeah. We're seeing this pattern, I think, with the last few albums that we reviewed is you've got these harder riffy things and then boom, we've got these sort of like, we think we talked about, you know, the, the ballad before the power ballad was really deemed the power ballad. Exactly. These guys are, you know, they're taking a, just a different little, they're getting off the highway. You know, they're going for a little cruise in the country. Yeah, I like <laughs> and it. And then they're getting back on. And so, okay, so we've done... Let me think. We did we did Mountain, which was from was that 70, 1970. We mm -hmm. did Phenomenon from UFO, which was 74. We're doing this one, which is 72. Is it safe to say 
that at that time the bands were just a little more adventurous is that fair is that not fair and if that is true is that because the record companies allowed them the space to be a little more adventurous i think they were almost cutting some ground they were they yeah. were they were like pioneers in, in some sense yeah i think you're right here it is 2021 right and i have to keep reminding myself when we do these older albums that just to keep it in context it's so much of what is just the norm now hadn't even happened yet so to your point about them being pioneers totally true they're doing stuff for the first time and and then it's just become part of the lexicon right and we don't think anything of it i think and i think i think yeah i think when you're in that position you you have a little more leeway because you're already on this like train of huh well, they're doing this. What is this? We don't know. It's a reaction to the sixties or it's this, it's right. blues, hard rock. They're taking the blues and turning it into this. And then these guys are doing it. Gospely, bluesy, raspy, just soulful. And yeah. so it's like, Oh, you want to come up with an acoustic thing? Sure. Why not? This conversation reminds me of a great interview I saw with Frank Zappa, where he's talking about, the record business. And I was kind of surprised to hear this because he said in the early days of the record business, you had these old stodgy business guys that were running the record companies. And he said, actually, they gave you more freedom than the later A&R guys, the later guys that, that knew all about rock music. He says, because by then, there was a formula and then they were starting to try to control the artists where back in the sixties, it was business guys. They didn't know a thing about music. Do whatever you kids think is cool, you know, and they'd let them do that. And he'd say, mm. we had a lot more freedom with these old stodgy business guys usually than with the cool long haired guys that came in in the seventies that were trying to tell us what to do on all of our albums. I just thought that was very interesting. And this is probably this early 70s, you think about a, a, a famous manager at the time, like a Peter Grant from from uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, that was that was all about his artists and all about we could do a whole nother episode on Peter Grant. I think he probably swindled from the band. But in terms of creativity, you boys do whatever, you, you know, you you take it, you do it, you know. So I think there was probably a little more freedom in these days and it shows to your point earlier that we see we see these dynamics on these albums that we don't necessarily see on albums later on it reminds me of um at the time more or less give or take maybe it started a year or two before but the whole west coast psychedelic movement in san francisco mm. where people didn't were like what is this not only is it the music's kind of weird and different, but the, the cultural yeah. aspect of like, we're not going to work. We're just going to hang out. We're going to love. We're going to just all live together. We're going to just play whatever we want to play. We don't care if we make money. And, and record companies didn't know what to do with that. Exactly. And I'm glad you said that because as I listened to that, the, the, and I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way. But when I hear this album, I hear those elements of, you know what I say? If I say like hippie, hippie, dippy, you know, it's like, it's like, it's loose, right? It's very loose. You've used the term quantize. It's not, this is very organic. They're in the studio. They're laughing. They're joking. The drums are, it's that wild early seventies drumming. It's, it's very loose. And I think that's a cool thing. And we absolutely kind of lost that later on, but, but it's, it's here, it's here. And it's a very uh, soulful R and B vibe with rock lace throughout. Now on this particular song, you're so good for me. Again, like I said, it's a change of pace. It's got a cool acoustic guitar, very gospely sounding. You've got the ladies singing along. What'd you think? Does this song do it for you or is it one of, what do you think? Don't forget, it's got the lyric, you've got the power to capture the hour. 
You, oh, I missed that. Hey, well, that's the guitar pick right there. That's good. Uh, that's worth at least a half a pick. That, that's that's good. That's good. I I give this one. Did I already give? Did I already score this? One? Yeah, I think you gave it a three. I gave it a three, and then I never let you score it. Yeah, so I gave it a three. That's that's pretty. I mean, uh, you know, I I liked it. I like it. I mean, I give it a three, not a two or anything. Right. Because it's it's a just a different song, but a, a it's change a great of- song. I like the um there's a I don't know if it's a bridge, maybe it's I guess it's a bridge where it almost gets a little more dreamy. Mm. And there's this really cool lead kind of guitar going on in the background. And I just I really like that change. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that. It's I I don't remember that specifically, to be honest. That's not one I I mean it wasn't one of my favorites. It's not a bad song. But not when I went back and revisited a whole lot, where a few of these I did. I mean, I've gone back and listened to a, a lot of these. I do like kind of the change of pace. So you're good with three guitar picks for that one? Yes, sir. So, okay, so now number four, which is a, a remake of an old Eddie Cochran tune yeah, called Come On Everybody. This is the one I thought sounded like The Faces. I mean, you could. this sounds like a song you would have heard Rod Stewart singing in the faces. Just Absolutely. A great swaggery song. I just love it. It's a great song. It opens up with that. I feel like it's a Fender Tweed uh, deluxe, just that real yeah. crunchy. Very crunchy. Thing. You can tell it's loud, whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. I love this. This is, this is probably, I'm giving this four and a half stars. Woo. I like it. I rated it higher than both Hot and Nasty and The Fixer. I gave it four and a half stars. Okay. Wow. I know. All right. What about I'm going to give it four. I'm going to give it four. Okay. All right. Funny you were just talking about being loose. Mm-hmm. In my notes, and I don't have a timestamp, but I have, I have, uh, there's like this BPM change ah. somewhere. And I just love that, you know, and it's just kind of falls into what we're talking about, about just they're just playing. Yeah. You know? They're just playing and they're and they're grooving. Yeah. I didn't notice. Did you notice how long this album took to record? I, I didn't pay attention to the dates, how long it took. Uh, again, just in general, no. these albums at this point, I mean, with some exceptions, Pink Floyd took forever. The Beatles took forever. But, you know, this is also the time frame of you know, when Black Sabbath would make an album in three days, right? <laughs> and so this album just has a very organic, loose feel. I would not be surprised if this is one of those albums that was, they didn't beat to death. They went in and recorded it and didn't waste a lot of time. Uh, that's what it feels like. Kind of how I want to make an album. That's the way to do it. I want to yeah. get a tape machine, you know, reel to reel. <laughs> yeah. Put everybody in a room. Put in a room do it that would be awesome maybe separate the drums a little bit but have everybody playing at the same time that would be perfect and that's what they're doing and that's why i I mentioned earlier i love just the live vibe where they're before almost every single song you hear them talking uh and i just love that okay number five i hate to be a party pooper (laughs) number five blows okay i just not like number five it's called old time feeling and this is where i'll don't remember hate mail goes to jeff okay classic guitar rocket mail.com but bring it on this this song brings in three elements is it three elements two out there are three things that i do not want in my classic rock this is jeremy being super judgmental okay <laughs> I do not want boogie woogie piano in my classic rock. I don't want it. I'm fine with the B3. I love the Hammond organ, but I don't want the boogie woogie piano crap. And this has a lot of that. And you know, Jeff Beck, love Jeff Beck. And you look, you, you listen to some of the early Jeff Beck stuff. You got Jeff Beck, you got cozy Powell on drums can't remember the singer, great singer. And then you got this honky tonk saloon piano player just desecrating the rest of the song. It, oh, I hate it. Don't get me started. <laughs> so we got the boogie woogie piano. I wonder how many picks this is going to get. Oh, I, I'm not going to give it much. 
it's got the boogie woogie piano. Uh, I have a little tiny jazz jazz pick. I'll give this half of a <laughs> of a Dunlop jazz pick is what this one gets. I just I don't like it. This does I not guess for me. You know, it's almost just another extension of like of a rocky blues thing. It's just a it's just a softer, yeah. happy, bouncy thing but i get what you're saying yeah. you know i get i get what you're saying i mean that's you could almost say the same thing about any song that has a mandolin well if it's in a rock song here's the thing okay and this is uh, let's just put it on the table okay i don't want to <laughs> lie i don't want to lie boogie woogie piano followed by horns i don't want horns i don't like horns well let me rephrase that some bands i love horns i love chicago okay it wouldn't be Chicago without horns. But I got one of my biggest arguments with the guy talking about a UFO album from 1982 called Mechanics that starts out with one of the most jamming guitar riffs ever, a song called The Rider. And then all of a sudden, these Memphis horns come in, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? What You just ruined this song. So I hate horns, Okay. <laughs> that's so i'm so bad <laughs> and then and this song has this too i'm not a f- big fan of harmonicas i'm just not i'm just not so now i've crushed everyone's dreams you know i don't want the boogie woogie piano i don't want horns i don't <laughs> what do you want i don't know but but yeah i this song just doesn't do it for me you know there's harmonica in the fixer i know but it's okay in that it, it it's buried a little bit in the mix and it's there are some great songs with harmonica. You know, Neil Young has harmonica in a lot of his songs that I love, right? But this, I just, at this point, it was just pissing me off because I was already mad about the boogie woogie piano. And then you're going to bring in a harmonica on top of that. I'm like, oh, but yeah, this <laughs> this song did not do it for me. Sorry. Yeah, it gets half, half uh, of the jazz pick. jazz pick. And for those of you that don't know, the jazz pick is a really little pick. And I'm giving half of that for this wow i know that was harsh what about you (laughs) what do you think what are you how are you gonna uh this one this was the song sung by by the bass player right yeah ridley yeah and also alexis corner i saw guests guests on the track okay is that right right? yeah and he's doing uh vocals and a tipple which is like a mandolin right yeah that's a new new... all in you know what they needed on here they needed a banjo and a tuba and then it would have been then they would have had maybe a trombone they could have, anyways sorry now i'm just being why don't we just get a carnival band? Yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a three just because I, wow. I need to give it a little love okay all right well good for you all right uh, you know i i appreciate it. it it reminded me of um sitting on top of the world which i learned when i first moved here i'm guitar it's like a bluegrassy folky yeah. folky song yeah. So it kind of made me feel that. So, I, you know, I liked it. Didn't well, love it, I'm, but I liked I'm, it. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> that was that one didn't do it for me. I would be completely fine. And you know what? If they would have just left that song off, we would have eight songs on the album, which is fine. Eight songs is great. Instead, we've got nine. But yeah, that's the only song that I just I did not like. So side two kicks off with 30 days in the hole and 30 days in the hole, probably still my favorite song on the, on the album. It's just the singing. I mean, this is one of those iconic songs. I've heard it pretty much my whole adult life. And to be honest, kind of surprised I never dug a little further. Cause I've always loved this song again. You know, ladies, is it who's, who's singing all the high parts? Is it only him? Is it the ladies? Is it, it's probably him and there's probably some of the ladies singing singing with him. Now that, you know, as I'm hearing it in my head, I think the background singers are probably helping out there, but but this is a stellar vocal performance by Steve Marriott. It's awesome. Unbelievable. And this is the one where they're kind of like they're almost like practicing, rehearsing and then at the, the beginning, beginning. Yeah, they're just like they sing in acapellas at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And then it kicks in. And and that's cool because when you hear it on the radio, you don't hear that part. They just start with the beginning of the that little guitar. Oh, is that right? Beginning. 
Yeah, it's it's just great. I like the drum, the drum sounds, the mix. Yeah, I just I love it. I feel like it's right there, right in front of your face. Yeah, it's just it's a classic. Covered by lots of artists. Lots of artists have have done it. And I again, I knew Frampton was in Humble Pie, and I always assumed Frampton was the one playing on that song, but it's it's not Frampton. It's our buddy Clem. But it's just a great tune. And then the one after this. Oh, wait, you got five picks for that one? Oh, 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 yeah, I forgot. That's five picks. Yeah, that one gets five picks. Me too. Classic. And then I really like the next one. It's called Roadrunner, Roadrunner's G Jam. So we know what key it's in, right? And this, <laughs> this was the product of a jam, right? That they just kind of put together. It's great. So Roadrunner, okay, the, the Roadrunner song, Holland, Dozier, and Holland. Songwriting production team made up of Lamont, Dozier, and brothers, Brian and Eddie Holland. Uh, they wrote lots of songs and produced and arranged to, that define the Motown sound of the 60s. So, so Holland, Dozier, Holland, a big part of the Motown sound. And they call this, and there was a song, Roadrunner that they wrote and that was done by one of the big Motown groups. And so this is kind of a, 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 a rave up of that song, but they call it the, the G jam. Cause they, they changed it up quite a bit, but they do credit Holland Dozier Holland uh, for the writing. Again, something that Led Zeppelin wouldn't have done. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part about this song for me is Stephen Stills is playing the Hammond. Yes, Stephen Stills organ. makes an appearance on this song and I think is helping with the uh, background vocals too. So that's awesome. Apparently he was next door recording and, and uh, just kind of strolled on over. And you hear of that happening so much. How many classic songs have you heard where, yeah, we were next door and they hopped in. Dwayne Allman uh, on Layla, you know, yeah. next door. And he's probably, that's probably the most famous part of that album is Dwayne Allman's slide solo at the end of Layla. And he just was working next door and came in and did, I don't think he got paid for it. You know, he might've, but, but that was so common. Then people would just sit in and play songs. There's a great interview with the wrecking crew, which was the uh, studio musicians in LA. Glenn Campbell was one. I can't remember all the guys, but Glenn Campbell tells a story of there's a kid that used to come and hang out at the studio. He was like 15 year old kid. And uh, you know, he kind of got to be friends with all the guys because he just, he just loved it and just like hanging out with them. And he played this 15 year old kid played on a lot of albums. It never got credit, never got paid. He just sit in and play with them. You know, it was a different world back then. That's pretty cool. I don't know how many studios were in London at the time. Right. Maybe there was only like two or three studios. Right. Could be. We know people just are bound to bump into each other. Bump into each other. Hey, come in and play on this song. Sure. I like this one. I give this one four stars. What about you? Or um, I said stars. I meant guitar picks. I give it four guitar picks. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm gonna just do three point seven five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, now this leads me to one of my other favorites. Really? Which is I wonder. It's got it's got a few elements that I really like. I love song. What are there's a there's a name for this musically speaking, but but you know when the song starts with what sounds like the end, it comes in with the big crescendo right at the beginning, like you normally hear at the end of the song, and then they go into the kind of a simple. It's a blues song, right? It's a blues, blues song, song with both guys kind of trading guitar licks, kind of playing simultaneously through a lot of it but it's just a great blues song you know and i haven't said this yet the bass playing is awesome throughout this album this greg ridley guy is phenomenal it's just great bass playing throughout and i notice it really on this song too but this is just a great blues tune it's the longest song on the album by the way it's 853 it is long but it's it's a it's a blues jam. I mean, it's great. Is there a harmonica in this one? <laughs> I don't know. But you know what? 
if it's good enough, I'm able to ignore the harmonica. It's when you, it's when you pile it up, man, if you put boogie, woogie, piano, harmonica and horns all on the same, you're, song, you're leaving. You're, yeah. It's, it's, it's doomed. It's doomed. So, I love the, uh, the wah. The wah is awesome on this yeah. song. Yeah. Yes. And they, there's a few songs where they, where they're wanting it up, but this one, especially really, really good on this one. Yeah. This is a good one. Um, do you know that tune you shook me? I do. Probably, Zepp- probably Zeppelin c- covering some yeah. blues guy, right? Willie Dixon, probably. Yeah. You yeah. shook me out night long. Yeah. This this has that kind of same, same gunk, 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 gunk. Yep. And this one has the very Robert Planty, and I say Robert Planty, it's plants borrowing from Marriott here, but but you when when zeppelin is doing their their blues stuff and he's doing the the really getting into it vocally he sounds like steve marriott you know that's that's where you hear it you could tell that steve marriott was a major influence on on robert plant and this song has a lot of that in it it's it's awesome i gave it did i give it i didn't score this one yet i give this one four and a half picks Uh, i'm giving it four Okay. And then the last song on the album. Sweet Peace and Time. Sweet Peace and Time. I can't, I'm, I'm not remembering it very well. I remember I like it. I do like it, but I didn't write notes down on this one. Opens up with a great little drum fill. Again, great uh, drum sounds. Okay. Very rock and roll. Like very, almost reminded, oh, like, I feel like the Black Crows pulled from this kind of style oh you know what on this song that's a great observation i can totally see yes yeah black crow i hadn't even thought about that but just in general i think i think the black crows drew a lot from these guys totally and just in doing the research lots of folks talk about the influence that Humble Pie had on them. I mean, even the guy from Blondie, the drummer in Blondie, whose name is also Clem, Clem Burke, he talks about how huge Humble Pie was to them, which you don't think of Blondie as being heavily influenced by. But these guys are so, they know how to groove, right? It's a very, very rhythmic, very R&B, more so than a lot of the British bands, the British blues-based bands. These guys added that funk and R&B element more than most, uh, and they could just make it swing, and it, it was really good. I don't remember this song very well. I'm going to give it three and a half picks because it's got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's good. It's, it's, it is good. Listen to it. Listen to it again tonight. I'll listen to it again. What do you rate it? I'm going to do four. Four stars. Okay. Four pecorinos. On a scale of one to ten, how how much would you rec- recommend this album to other classic rock fans? I'd say a ten. Ten? Okay. Yes. I, it's up there. I, I don't know if I'd say a ten. I'd at least nine. say a nine. Nine, though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's up there. This is a... This is a do you do you prefer this to mountain? Let's compare it to mountain. If you had to choose, would you pick this one or mountain? Oh, I don't know if I could choose. If today, if I had to choose, I'd choose this one. Next, is it more, is it more versatile or more? I think, um, I, I, it's just it's more groove, right? You know, mountains got the the Felix's vocals are kind of that stodgy British Jack Bruce type vocals versus Steve Marriott, which is very soulful. And I just, but Leslie's got the voice. Leslie's got the voice. And they've got, I think they just didn't have as many funky, like never in my life. Yeah. That's a great, powerful riff. That is a good one. But you're right. There, there's some more, you know, and that's a good point. If you're just comparing guitar riffs, pure riffage, I'd probably go with Mountain. But taking in all the elements, I'd I'd probably go with this one. Yeah, it's just a, it's it's good. I mean, this is a this is a funky album in a in a very good way. Uh, I think it's great. So I would, uh, yeah, nine. I, it's one that I would highly recommend. And when you listen to it. When you look into Steve Marriott, especially, uh, and realize 
this is a guy that was very influential and yet didn't get the credit that he deserved, didn't get the notoriety that he deserved. But, but when you talk to people in the industry, I mean, everything I've seen is how it's like Steve Marriott was one of the greatest vocalists ever, you know, and that's, and, and it's kind of a shame that more people don't, don't know about it. So, yeah. So I will fly the humble pie flag and let people know. And by the way, I had to look up what humble pie is. You remember what humble pie is originally called humble pie. And uh, it was from dates back to like medieval times. There's, there's duplicate meanings, right? So when, when people say humble pie, now it, it refers to you had to eat your humble pie, meaning you were, you were embarrassed or you had to admit you were wrong. We talk about eating humble pie. That's what that means. But, but the true humble pie was an old pastry from way back in medieval times that they'd fill, they'd fill with like the, the nasty goat meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but like the liver and the heart, you know, it would be kind of like the, the, the nasty bits yeah. <laughs> of a yeah. particularly venison, you know, or a goat or a cow or whatever. That was humble pie, you know, mm, spam it, of the medieval times, exactly. the, the spam of medieval times. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Mystery meat. But that's what it was. Great album. Great album. Jeff, it was great talking to you again this week. You Just too, want, Mr. Jeremy. I want to remind everyone to email us, classicguitarrocketmail.com. And again, we are on all the, pretty much all the major platforms. Uh, so so please, if you haven't already, followed, follow us or subscribe. Leave a review. Reviews are very helpful, especially on Apple Podcasts. So uh, if you don't mind, go out to Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you if you enjoyed this. And as we mentioned last time, we are on Patreon. So if you'd like to be a patron, check us out at patreon.com. Now, for the next episode, what we'd like to try is we would love for you to email us and recommend an album. So let us know an album, classicguitarrocketmail.com. Send us an email. And let us know what album you would like for us to spotlight. So with that, Jeff, great seeing you. And you too, buddy. we'll see you next time on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Keep rocking. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.